Good evening, church. Let's open our Bibles to Acts uh, chapter 8. And this evening, we're going to be reading verses 26 through 40. That was Acts chapter 8. We'll start in verse 26, and we'll go all the way through the end of the chapter, verse 40. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way which goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is a desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Esaias the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Esaias, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answering Philip, and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, and the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities, till he came to Caesarea. Dear Lord, I pray you'll just uh, be with this sermon tonight. God, I pray that you'll just uh, speak through me, Lord. God, I pray you'll help all of us to just listen to the sermon and to listen to your word, Lord. Help us to retain your knowledge and your wisdom. And God, I pray that you'll just move in a way that only your spirit can, God. We give you the praise for this all. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If God Sends You is the title of the sermon tonight, church. And I want to start off by asking you this question. Who in your life needs Jesus? Who would the Holy Spirit convict you to go and witness to? Now, I want you to think about this and keep this in your mind as we go through the sermon tonight and continue to pray about this as we get closer to missions conference. Maybe this is an employee that you work with. Maybe it's the boss or a client or a customer. Maybe it's your hairstylist. Maybe it's someone who you just see going on a walk uh, down your block. Perhaps it's someone who you talk regularly to at the gym. Maybe for a reason you can't explain, God is just burdening you to preach to an entire community. Now, this could be global missions. This could be God sending you somewhere far away. But maybe for a reason you can't explain, God's just convicted you for a street, a block, a suburb that's just around your area, maybe just a town. I, I want you to really 
really keep that person in mind as we go through the sermon tonight. And I pray that God will just use this sermon to enable you and encourage you to go and share the gospel with them, that Jesus Christ is Lord, Amen. and that he did die on the cross, and that he did uh, live a sinless life. So all they have to do is trust in Jesus, believing that he rose again from the dead and what he did for them on the cross to forgive them of their sins. Because I'll tell you, church, according to this Bible, if that person or those people who you're thinking of right now, if they were to die without accepting Christ, they will spend eternity in the lake of fire. That should convict us, church. Maybe God is not sending you somewhere far away, but if God is not sending you out to a different part of the world, that means he's sending you out right here where you are. And church, if God sends you, point number one, you should go. After Jesus ascended back up into heaven, his followers received the Holy Spirit. And can I just tell you, church, that when you receive the Holy Spirit, your life changes. Amen, church? So a church quickly forms in Jerusalem because Jesus' followers are spreading the gospel far and wide. When a church sows many seeds, it reaps a great harvest. And so the church in Jerusalem is growing rapidly. Uh, let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Uh, and the word of God says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls. So Peter is preaching one day, and the Lord uses him in a way that he's able to convert 3,000 people to trust in Jesus and only Jesus to save them. To put this into perspective, the population of Clyde, Ohio, is about 6,000 people. Can I tell you, church, that that same Holy Spirit that filled Peter, if you're saved, fills you today. Revival is very much possible. Evangelizing little Clyde, Ohio, is not only possible, but very plausible. We know that God wants the people of our city to be saved. In fact, God is on board with everyone getting saved. 2 Peter 3, verse 9 tells us, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is for us when we tell others about Jesus. It simply comes down to, are we willing to be used? God is long-suffering. We think about that in the context of that verse, and we know that it means that God is being very patient with the unsaved because he's not willing that any should perish. But can I tell you, church, he's also being very patient with us. We've had a long time to go out and preach the gospel to our community. Have we been? Have we been being faithful with that? God's being very patient with us. Jesus wants to forgive these people of their sins. That person who we're thinking about, who's on your heart, that person or those people, Jesus wants to forgive them. Jesus wants to save them. If we really want to see a revival, we've had a long time to plant the seeds, church. Have we been sowing any? The Holy Spirit used Peter that day to lead 3,000 souls to Christ. Half of Clyde, Ohio. 
God used one person, and in one day, the church in Jerusalem grew from 120 people to 3,120 Christians. Excuse me. Now, instead of just one person going out and preaching, like Peter did, let's all go out and let's all faithfully spread the gospel. God wants our community to be saved, church. Don't tell me it's not possible. God is very much capable of just growing and growing a church. Acts 2, verses 46 through 47, says this about these new converts and the church in Jerusalem. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Listen to this, church. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Can you imagine if God added to our church daily? I think the fellowship that this church had was a big factor in how quickly the church grew. Uh, Look back at verse 46 for me real quick. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. When we all come together, just like we did just now during uh, the prayer service, when we all pray that God would grow our church, that God would draw more souls up toward Christ, do you know that God honors that? When we come together to worship and call upon the Lord, the Lord's presence is strongly with us. Let's look at Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20. The Lord Jesus says, Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Whether it's a church service, a prayer time, just two or three Christians gathering together for fellowship, the Lord is the focal point, and he's in the presence of that community. Don't you think God is going to use that and use that little community to draw more people into him? In my head, I've always thought of missions conference as being kind of similar to a church revival. And that makes sense because missions is the recipe to revival. If we want a revival, we have to go out and tell people about Jesus. Now, I want you to think back to that person that God is laying on your heart. Don't let them slip your mind during this service. God wants them to be saved. God is sending you to go witness to them. He's convicting you of that person or those people for a reason. And remember, church, if God sends you, you should go. Keep that in mind. We're going to be coming back to this person or community that the Holy Spirit is laying on your heart. Now, the church in Jerusalem keeps growing and growing But eventually, a Pharisee, who we're all familiar with, named Saul, starts to persecute the church. Saul's persecution scatters the church in different directions, but God uses this. Saul's plan against the church completely backfired. Saul wanted to break the church up. Saul wanted there to be less Christians. There were many Christians who scattered and went to other places, but they brought the gospel with them. Everywhere that those Christians went, they brought the gospel and they preached to others. They converted more people to Christ. God turned a plot against the church to grow the church. 
Now there are churches in several different locations. Saul wanted less Christians. Now there are more Christians. Acts 8 verses 3 through 4 tell us, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, preaching the word. God really uses this persecution as the event and the thing that really begins global missions. Now there are more local churches and there are more Christians. So go and tell others about Jesus because even if you run into some backlash, God can use that backlash in a way that it leads even more people to Christ. Don't be intimidated to go tell others about Jesus. Uh, You might not even see it happening. Now, one of these Christians who scattered abroad was actually one of the deacons at the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem had seven deacons, and these were the very first church deacons ever. One of them was a man named Philip. Now, this is not uh, the disciple Philip, who would later become Philip the Apostle. This uh, deacon Philip is commonly referred to as Philip the Evangelist. Wouldn't it be awesome if God knew you as an evangelist? If you just went out and won souls, the word of God describes uh, Philip, and he's now known as Philip the Evangelist. And we're going to see as we go on why he's known as that title. Now, God can turn a tragedy into something beautiful, and God can take one tragedy and make multiple beautiful outcomes all across different people's lives. Philip is given a huge opportunity as a result of this persecution. When Philip scatters from the church in Jerusalem, he heads down to Samaria. And like all those other Christians who scattered abroad, he takes the gospel with him. Look at Acts 8, verses 5 through 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Philip is used by God, and once again we see an entire community being turned upside down for Christ. Samaria accepts Christ as a result of Philip's faithfulness. Look at Acts 8, verse 12. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. God's word changes everything. That person who you're convicted to go uh, witness to, you might not be the most convincing speaker ever. That's okay. Let God's word convince them. Let God's word do the convincing. The same way that God used Peter in Jerusalem And the same way that God used Philip in Samaria, God can use us right here in Clyde, Ohio. I want to ask you, church, we see how God's moving here. We see what God is doing. What if just a handful of us in this room really took this to heart? What if just a few of us really took this to heart and became convicted by this? Can you imagine the difference we could make? How awesome would it be if the Christians at Harvest Temple were so faithful That God used us not only to fill up our church, what if so many people got saved, we filled up every other Bible-believing church in town? What if God used Harvest to fill up all the other churches in Clyde? Everything has a ripple effect. Everything leads to a chain reaction. 
And can I tell you, church, that a revival in Clyde, Ohio would not stop at Clyde, Ohio. Do you realize that God is all-powerful? We would see with our own eyes just how possible a revival in America could be if we saw how easily God can evangelize our community. So what should we do? Let's go evangelize our community. God put us here for a reason. God assembled all of us, as different as we might be, right here in this church for a reason. We cannot even begin to fathom all the things that had to happen for this exact church to be here right now and for all the different church members to be here right now. Think about this church. A flower does not complain where it's planted. It simply blooms. If God is not sending you out somewhere different, then what that means is he's sending you out here. If God is not convicting you to go out to another part of the world, then you're right where you need to be. One way or another, God sent you here. And if God sends you somewhere else, then okay, you should trust him and go. But if God is not sending you somewhere different, then for now, he has sent you here. So while we're here, let's send the gospel out and do our very best to bloom into the biggest flower we possibly can. The church is growing, but we can grow more. Go hand out those tracts. Go do those door hanger maps. Form relationships in the community so that you can introduce the people you know to the Savior that you know. If you cannot fulfill a need, you can pray and God can move hearts that can. No matter what you can do, church, maybe you're a little bit more limited than another church member. Maybe you don't know where to start. But I want to tell you this. Don't do nothing just because you can only do a little. All those littles add up to something mighty. If we all go out and just tried to win that soul or those souls that God is convicting us of, that could potentially double the size of the church. If we all just win one person to Christ, and you might ask, uh, all this for Clyde, Ohio? We're going to do all this for Clyde, Ohio, the place that makes washing machines? And again, I want to say, church, that a revival in Clyde, Ohio would not stop at Clyde, Ohio. That's just the community our church is planted. From there, it's in God's hands. God's going to handle it from there. You, that person you're convicting of, it's not going to stop with them. Everything that we've done so far is wonderful, but we can do more. So Philip had traveled from Jerusalem to Samaria, which is about 35 uh, miles roughly. So if Philip walked at the pace of an average adult, that means that this journey took Philip 12 hours walking. Once Philip reached Samaria, the Lord used him to lead the whole city to Christ, and we've looked at that. Philip had already worked incredibly hard, and he'd already seen incredible success, very successful results. Philip not only had led a large city into a revival, but he would... He was just used to fulfill a very specific command from Jesus. Did you know that uh, Samaria being converted was specifically called upon by Jesus? In Acts 1 verse 8, uh, Jesus told the apostles, But ye shall receive power, and after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. 
So Jesus specifically told the apostles, go and witness to Samaria. Philip the deacon was not one of those apostles, and yet he is who God used to witness to Samaria. Philip was just willing to go. God sent him, and he went. Philip had already served the Lord, and he reaped a great harvest. Perhaps Philip is tired, or he already feels accomplished, but God is not done. Look at Acts 8, verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, and to the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is a desert. So Philip is told to arise and go. He is told to go unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza. A way is just a road. So the, Philip is being instructed, just go to the road between Jerusalem and Gaza. Philip has no idea what to expect. Uh, Philip's probably very beloved in Samaria. He, he was just used to lead the whole city to Christ. And now God is telling him, nope, leave all that and just go to this desert road. Not a city, not a synagogue, not some big event, just a random road. And the verse says, which is desert? Philip is just supposed to leave this success and leave this revival and just go to some desert road. And here's what verse 27, it starts and it says, and he arose and went. If God sends you, you should go. And if God sends you, point number two, it will be worth it. Think back to that person that God has laid on your heart. Now, I told you that we would be coming back to them for later. Someone in your, your life who you're not sure if they're saved or not. The Holy Spirit sent them your way for a reason. And right now, the Holy Spirit is sending you their way for a reason. Verses 27 through 28 says, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Esaias the prophet. On this desert road is a eunuch traveling by chariot, reading the book of Isaiah. Philip travels all the way to this desert road. He left Samaria to come here. Philip was probably well-liked in Samaria. After God used him to perform miracles, cast out demons, and heal people of their problems... Uh, the Samaritans were probably very thankful for Philip. Remember the Bible said back in verse 8, it said, and there was great joy in that city. Wouldn't you like God to use you to bring great joy to this city by spreading the gospel? When those Samaritans eventually went home to be with the Lord, I bet they were really thankful that God sent them Philip and that Philip was faithful to tell them about Jesus. There was great joy in Samaria, but when those Samaritans got to heaven, can I tell you, church, that there is even greater joy in that city? Amen. The persecution that led Philip to Samaria was worth it, and Philip eventually leaving Samaria to go to this desert road, he has no other plans, he has no other information, is also going to be worth it. Yep. Philip gets to this desert road, and he sees this eunuch traveling by chariot. The eunuch had a very important job. He was the treasurer of Queen Candace of Ethiopia's treasure. And that's a fine job. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But can I tell you, though, church, that Philip had an even more important job to do. Verse 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. That person who God is convicting you of, he's sending you on a very important mission. You have a very important job from God. 
God brought Philip here for a reason, and this was it. Now, if you notice, church, this eunuch was reading the book of Isaiah. Back then, most people did not have a personal copy of Scripture. You would have to go to the synagogue to study God's word. Now, this eunuch was probably very wealthy, but still, it's very likely that he had to spend a great amount of money for his own personal copy of the book of Isaiah. So the eunuch was already reading God's word. The eunuch was already looking for answers. He was seeking the truth. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8, the Lord Jesus says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Listen, church, if you seek God's truth, you'll find it. This eunuch was studying God's word to seek truth, and God blesses his love for truth by sending him more truth. He, he sent him Philip to answer his questions. Wasn't that an awesome story that uh, Jean told? That woman wanted to know, uh, what, what do I have to do to go to heaven? She was seeking more truth. Now, let's all pray that she gets saved, but God sent her truth. God sent her the truth. Uh, was it Patty and Mrs. Lewis? Is it, am I right in saying that? They went out. They went out to go and share the truth with someone who the Lord had been preparing them. Uh, let's look at Acts verses 30 through 35. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Esaias, and said, Understandeth thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. This eunuch had a question about Jesus. We know that Jesus Christ is the truth. This eunuch was seeking the truth and God sent Philip to him. Just answering the eunuch's question assisted Philip right into a position to transition into telling him about Jesus. You might be nervous about sharing the gospel with the person that God is laying on your heart, but think about this, church. If God laid someone on your heart, he already knows their heart. If God is preparing your heart to share the gospel, then he is preparing their heart to receive the gospel. That woman, she asked Jean, what do I have to do to go to heaven? This eunuch, he asked uh, Philip, what does, this, what does this verse in the Bible mean? Now, that does not necessarily mean that you'll be the one to reap the harvest, but you might water a seed. You might be the one to plant the seed. Maybe this person is so against the idea of God that you're the, you're the one who just tills the ground and gets the soil ready. Maybe you just leave them with some things to get the rocks out and break some of the barriers so that the soil is ready to one day receive a good seed. I know that you want your unsaved loved ones to go to heaven. I know you want your unsaved loved ones to be saved and be forgiven. Can I tell you something to encourage your church? God loves your loved ones even more than you do. Once you realize that, that will help you to love God more. 
I don't know about you, but I like people who care about my loved ones. No one cares about your loved ones more than God. Love God enough to obey him. You cannot, saved your, you cannot save your loved one, but you can introduce them to the one who can. All we really do when we soul win is we introduce an unsaved person who we know to the Savior who we know who can save them. We're just making that connection. Once you do that, Jesus can handle his own first impression. I pray you can be the one to explain the gospel to them and win their soul to Christ. But if they don't let you get to the gospel, or if they listen but they do not get saved, the best thing you can do for them is leave them with whatever you can so that God can begin to do a work in their life. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 4 through 5 says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words, of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the wisdom of God. Let's go back to Acts chapter 8. I want to read verses uh, 36 through 38. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believe with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now this eunuch is an eternal soul that was going to spend eternity in one of two places, either with the Lord Jesus or in hell. The eunuch is alive today, and we can know by Scripture that he is in heaven because Philip was faithful to tell the person that God was convicting him to go to about Jesus. Will you be faithful to go tell that someone about Jesus? Leaving Samaria for just one person was worth it. God loves every single soul enough to die for them. Now, I don't know about you, but if you gave me the choice, you can either soul win uh, an entire city or just one soul. Honestly, I might be tempted to choose the entire city, right? Maybe you would too. But can I tell you that God loves that one soul just as much as he loves all the other souls in the city? God wants to use the souls we win to him just like he wants us, just like he wants to use us. Remember that everything has a ripple effect. Everything sets off a chain reaction. Going to this one eunuch was worth it, regardless of the results of what happened. But according to a second century writer named Iranius, I hope I'm saying that right, this eunuch returned to what was then known as Ethiopia. Now, this isn't the country of Ethiopia we know it today. This was the ancient kingdom of Ethiopia. And according to uh, this second century writer, Iranius, the eunuch preached the gospel to his country And by the 4th century, Christianity was that country's official religion. If God sends you, you should go. Because if God sends you, it will be worth it. And if God sends you, uh, point number three, he will show you what's next. God's next step for you is never a downgrade. Don't feel underwhelmed when you go from soul winning an entire city to just one person. Because that one person just might make a huge difference. You have no idea how God might use what you do or how he might use the person that you're witnessing to. 
Being persecuted away from the church in Jerusalem was worth it when you see the impact that Philip had in Samaria. Leaving Samaria was worth it when you see the difference Philip was able to make by loving the eunuch enough to tell him about Jesus. But Philip was not done yet. As soon as this eunuch got saved and then baptized, God snatched Philip right up and literally teleported him to what's next. Look at Acts chapter 8, verses 39 and 40. This is right after the eunuch is baptized. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities, till he came to Caesarea. Are we starting to see why Philip is known as Philip the Evangelist? Philip was not done when the church in Jerusalem scattered, and he was no longer a deacon. Philip was not done when Samaria was converted, and Philip was not done when the eunuch believed. We're not done either, church. We need to keep being a light. In Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, the Bible says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but, under a, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're the light to this world, church. Amen. Your life and your testimony should shine so bright in this dark world that people can't help but notice the flame. Remember, one spark starts a fire. God has made us this light for a reason, church. Would your testimony shine bright enough to lead a weary traveler to the city? Are you providing light for all that are in the house with you? When you're at work, are you a light? When you're hanging out with your friends, are you a light? When you're in the gym, are you a light? When you're in the grocery store, are you a light to others? Are you a light for all that are in the room with you, regardless of what room that is? You're not supposed to hide your light. It's supposed to shine bright. If you want to make sure that you're being a light, just simply ask yourself, is this the best way to glorify God? If the answer is yes, then can I tell you that you're being a light for God? Now, there's a lot of darkness, but instead of letting that discourage you, be encouraged by the opportunity that God is giving you to glorify him. We have a tremendous opportunity to shine. When the church first formed and Peter went to preach for those 3,000, his light was shining very bright because there was nothing but darkness around him. When Philip went to Samaria... He had the opportunity to be a very bright light because Samaria was just filled in darkness. They didn't know Christ yet. And then when he went to witness to that eunuch, that eunuch had darkness in him, but he was seeking truth. And so God blessed him with more truth. Who is God convicting you to go be a light to? Will you shine in a way that God can lead them out of darkness? When someone travels through your life, you have no idea how long they'll be in it. Would you shine as bright as you can for them? Would you lead a weary traveler to the one you can give them rest? Would you shine like a city on a hill so that your entire city might become a city on a hill? Imagine if the Holy Spirit was so strong in Clyde that you could just feel it driving through. That would spread to the surrounding cities before long. That would spread to all of Ohio before long. Imagine if Ohio was a city on a hill to the other states. Before we can get their church, just focus on Clyde being a light. 
Before that, just focus on harvest being a light. And before that, can I tell you, church, you just focus on you being a light. You make sure you're living right. Make sure that you're saved and then that you are living in a way where you have a testimony. God wants our city to be saved, and God wants whoever he has laid on your heart to be saved. Listen, church, if God sends you, you should go. If God sends you, it will be worth it. If God sends you, he will show you what's next. And according to the Bible, God is sending all of us to go uh, witness to others. So it's not if God is sending you. God is sending you somewhere. God, God convicted you of that person, those people, for a reason. Will you be faithful to God? So my question to you, church, is if God sends you, will you be faithful? Dear Lord, I praise you so much for...